Pray with me if you would. Father, that is our heart's desire that you would be truly our vision this morning. We get so distracted by the things of this world, by the pressures of life, and it's so easy for us to lose sight of who truly, truly matters and who life is for and where life has come from. And I pray this morning that as we open up the scriptures, open up the pages of your word, that you would speak truly deep into our hearts and that you would remind us of who we are and the mission that you've called us to. And it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, welcome. I want to start a little bit differently this morning. We're going to do a little word association. Okay, word association game. I say a word and then you're going to tell the people next to you immediately what comes into mind. All right. Ready? Understand? All right, so you're going to have to engage each other a little bit. Turn to the person next to you in a minute and tell them what's, what's on your mind, okay, as it relates to this. All right, so here's the word. All right, here's the word. Missionary. What came to mind? Tell, talk to the people next to you. What came to mind? All right, somebody share with me. What came to mind when you heard the word missionary? Let's be a learning people this morning. What did you, you say? What came to mind when you heard the word missionary? My grandpa. Your grandpa, right? Because grandpa was a missionary, right? What else? What came to mind? Sent. Sent. All right, that's appropriate. All right. That's good. That's, all, that's right. That's awesome. What else? Russia. What? Russia. Russia. Can I ask Why? Awesome. Great. I just asked why. I said, can I ask why? I just did, right? Okay. Somebody else. Somebody else. Yes. Carly and Carter. Carly and Carter Hilsher, right? They went to Guatemala. Awesome for a week. Excellent. Somebody else. It's great. Making disciples of all nations. All right. I want you to think about that word missionary for a moment. Just hold on to that for a little bit. When I was in junior high, I had the distinct privilege of playing on my middle school, eighth grade basketball team. We were called the Mount Vernon Middle School Lions. And I loved basketball. I, loved, I grew up a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. For those of you that are old like me, you'll remember days of like Mark Price, uh, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, all those guys. Those names probably mean nothing to you. They mean the world to me. All right. So I grew up loving basketball. And I worked hard the summer between my 7th and 8th grade year to try to make the 8th grade basketball team. It was a goal I had, something I, I desperately wanted to do. So the time came for tryouts to take place the fall of my eighth grade year. So I go through tryouts and make the first cut. Pretty stoked, pretty excited. Made the first cut. Second cut comes, right? You go to the board, you look at it. I made it. I made it past the second cut. So here I am. I made the eighth grade basketball team. And for me, that was enough. Or at least I thought that was enough, right? Well, practices come, and man, it's grueling, it's hard. And y'all live, we, we live for the game. We live for the game. And I just wanted to get in the game. And I knew I wasn't a starter, right? And there were 15 guys on the team. And I knew I probably wasn't even like six or seven. But I really never thought I was like number 14 or 15. All right, I for sure thought that there were guys on the team that I was better at. Well, first game comes, I never get in the game. Second game comes, I never get in the game. And this just seems to be the pattern throughout the season. Till this one game. We're either, I can't remember, either, either we were blowing out the team or the team was blowing us out. I can't remember, but I'll never forget, coach comes down the line 
And he had already put in this other kid that I thought I was way better than him. So everyone else has been in the game but me up to this point. Everyone else, all right? Everyone else on our team has been in the game and we're getting blown out. We'll just say that that's what was going on. We were getting absolutely blown out. So I'm like, and there's only like 30 seconds left in the game and he still hasn't put me in the game yet. I mean, I'm like, are you, in my mind, I'm going, are you serious? I feel embarrassed, all this stuff. Well, he comes down the line, down, to, down the bench, and he goes, Jones, I'm sending you in. I, okay, so there's 30 seconds, right? I'm, there's 30 seconds, no big deal. So I'm like, yes, this is it. This is my moment, right? Even if I just stand there and do nothing, I can't blow it, right? So I go to the scores table, and I just wait. I'm begging for like a foul or for the clock to stop. Or something, right? So I can get in the game. That never happened. The game ended, and there I am kneeling at the scores table. And I never got in the game. Ever. Never got in to the game. I was there at the scores table. Coach sent me in, but I never got to play. Go with me to the book of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. John, chapter 20. This morning we're talking about the mission and vision that God has called us to as His people. John chapter 20. We're going to look specifically at verses 19 through 23, but within that little paragraph, we're going to look even more deeply into verse 21. Now, John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He writes this gospel as a means of proving to people that Jesus really is this promised rescuer that the Father has sent to rescue us from sin and Satan. And so here we have John writing this gospel, and he picks up the life and times of Jesus Christ right where Jesus has already been crucified, and he's come back to life, but he has yet to appear to his own disciples. All right, and this is where we pick it up in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. John says, On that evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were were for fear of the Jews. And that makes sense, right? Jesus has just been crucified. So the disciples who followed Jesus are thinking, we're next. They're going to come to us next. We're done. So they're afraid, and that's understandable. And Jesus came and stood among them, and he says to them, peace be with you. I love that. He just stands among the disciples. He says, listen, I'm here. Peace. Peace is with you. Peace be with you. And then he says this. He says, he shows them his hands and his side just to prove to them that it really is him. This is Jesus with real skin on. He's really been crucified and he's really come back to life. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Understandable there as well. And then he says to them again, peace be with you, verse 21. And here's the kicker statement. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's kind of a foretaste, a foreshadowing of when the Holy Spirit would come at Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2. And he says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Webster defines a missionary as someone who's been sent on a religious mission. And it's obvious that Jesus is saying here, he says, as the Father has sent me. So Jesus reveals to us that he was sent. He was sent by the Father. So Jesus qualifies as a missionary. And then he goes further. Jesus says, he says, even so I am sending you. So not only is Jesus a missionary, but Jesus is saying, my disciples are missionaries. 
Those who follow me, those who have confessed their sins before me and received me as Savior, they are also not only disciples, but they are missionaries. In essence, Jesus is looking at you and he's saying, go get in the game. I'm sending you in. You get to play. You go. Get in there. You get to be part of this mission, this this grand mission that the Father has sent me on. Now, when we think of missionaries, a lot of times we think of missionaries as other people. We're going to do something incredibly different this morning, and I'm going to need your participation. All right, and at this time, if kids are not sitting with their parents, I really want them to sit with their parents for a minute. Okay? No fear. I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay? Don't be afraid. Just just go ahead and sit with your parents because you're going to go get your picture taken. All right? Everyone here this morning is going to have your picture taken. Here's what we're going to do. Now, when our family were to Ireland as full-time career missionaries, all right, and when we did that, we had a prayer card made, all right? We had a prayer card made, and that was our prayer card that was made, and we would hand that out to people and say, hey, would you please pray for us? The boys had no clue that was coming this morning, all right? So, and so we would hand that out to people and say, would you pray for us as we go across the pond and serve Jesus in the Republic of Ireland? Well, Jesus tells me here that every disciple has been sent. Therefore, every disciple is a missionary. And so it's unfair that we would be the only ones to get a missionary prayer card with our picture on it. Every disciple of Jesus should have their own missionary prayer card. So here's what we're going to do. Our own professional photographer, Kristen Ungerecht, is there in the back. And we're going to dismiss you by row as families. And you're going to go have your picture taken. All right? You're going to put your name on a piece of paper. You're going to have a picture taken. And here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to develop those pictures and we're going to redistribute them next Sunday. You're going to get a picture prayer card of someone else that's here this morning next week. You're going to put that picture of these people on your fridge. You're going to pray for them as they live the missionary life that Jesus has called us to. Is that clear? Understand? So what we're going to do is we're going to dismiss you by row. We want you to do this as a single, as a couple, as a family. All right, and then when the first row, we'll let the first row go. And then when all the first row is done, then the second row goes and there on after. We good? Because we've got to get this in our heads that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're also a missionary for Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the first row. Go on out. Kristen's out in the hallway. So go ahead. And then when they, when they come back, then the next row. Mission, and we need to understand this, mission is always connected with sending. Mission is always connected with sending. When Andrea sends me to the grocery store, the mission is to get what's on the list. When you send your kids to school, the mission is what? For them to graduate. Or you send them to college, the mission is for them to get a degree. When we send our military overseas, that's coupled with a mission. There's a mission involved. When you're sent on a business trip for work, there's a mission behind that trip. To either fix a problem, or to get new clients, or to make some sales. Mission is always connected with sending. And Jesus here says, listen, if you're a disciple, you've been sent. You've been sent. You have a mission to accomplish. You have a mission to accomplish. Now, the mission of Living Church, and we say it this way, is to make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. And we do that primarily through multiplying these church communities. We call them living communities. And our vision is to see the greater Cincinnati area saturated with these living communities. And not just Greater Cincinnati, but we want to see this happen nationally, and we even want to partner with people that are involved in this globally. And God is moving amongst us 
and bringing people to us from all over the world, specifically the country of Nepal, that I'm excited about, to partner with someone from the country of nation of Nepal who's doing what we're doing over there and we didn't even know each other two years ago. Pretty ex- exciting stuff. And so our mission is to make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. And I want to share with us this morning just why is that so important? Why should you be so... In, why should mission just be so important to you as a disciple of Jesus? Well, I think Jesus explains that to us a bit here in His phrase, and His words, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. A couple observations as it relates to God and mission. Look what Jesus says. He starts out and He says, as the Father has sent. The Father has sent. And we know that sending is always connected to mission. So if the Father has sent, then the Father has a mission. But it goes on. Jesus says, not only is the Father has sent, but I am sending. So here we have God the Father has sent. God the Son is, is sending. And if you were to read in Acts chapter 13, it talks about how the Holy Spirit is a sender. So here you have one of the reasons why you should care about mission. One of the reasons why you should care about mission is because our God has a mission. The Father sent. There's a direct mission that the Father is on. He has a mission. And what tells me is that the, one of the first things Jesus says to these disciples when they see Him alive, He wastes no time. None. He's like, peace be with you. Hey, go. Go. I'm like, dude, can we chill for a little bit? Can we talk? How was that? What was it like? The after? I mean, what was it like being dead and then you came out? No, He's like, dude, go. Get, I'm sending you in. Go, go. Get in the game. There's a ton we have to get done. There's a mission out there that, I, that God in His grace has allowed you to be a part of. So go, I'm sending you in. So here you have our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all involved in this mission. Our God has a mission to accomplish. And this mission is first announced in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3:15. God made a perfect world. It was beautiful. No sin. Adam and Eve come along. They broke everything. And we are in Adam and Eve. And so therefore, sin, we broke it. We, we, we brought upon ourselves all this sin and, and, and everything. And, and God says, listen, because I love you so much, I am going to promise you a, a redeemer, someone who's going to rescue, this from, rescue you from sin and from Satan, this arch enemy of ours. And he says this in Genesis 3.15, God says to our enemy, Satan, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. That's speaking of Christ. He, Christ, will bruise your head and you're going to bruise his heel. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush you. He's going to crush you. He's going to defeat you. And there in Genesis 3.15, God is announcing, I have a mission. And that mission is to rescue you from the sin-stained heart that every person possesses. And He announces that mission in Genesis 3.15. And then John, in other passages, in John chapter 3, you're welcome there to turn with me. John chapter 3, verse 17. John writes this and records the words of Jesus. And it's that classic verse, right? John 3, 16. And a lot of times we just stop there. You need to keep reading because Jesus describes his mission. He says in John chapter 3, verse 17, he says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Jesus is announcing that he is the one that God promised in Genesis 3.15 to rescue us from this condemnation of our sin. 
And he's saying whoever believes in Jesus for salvation, they're the ones who are rescued. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the one that God promised. I'm the rescuer. I'm the promised redeemer. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to buy back those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So in the beginning, God made everything great. Satan comes along and takes us away from God, and we're held captive to Him and to our sin. And God could just have left us that way, but because of His great love for us, He sends His Son into our world to rescue us from the claws and the, and the clutches of Satan and sin to pull us back. And it's not, not only does God send His Son to rescue us from sin and Satan, but He says this in, in that Galatians verse, that you might receive adoption as sons. Not only does God come, send His Son to rescue you from sin, but to bring you into His family. That's incredible. After all we did, he, he brings us into his family. And then in John 6, 39-40, this mission involves as Jesus says, And this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Ephesians 1, verses 3-6. But raise it up at the last day. So the mission that God has is to rescue us from the clutches of sin and Satan that involves all the brokenness of our hearts and all the brokenness of this world. And if you are here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you need to understand that there is hope and that hope comes in the person of Jesus. That's why He came. That's why He died. That's why He came back to life. Well, so that you could be rescued from sin and Satan and be brought into His family and adopted into His family. That's why He came. That's why Jesus was sent. But the but the mission isn't just a rescue mission, it's a disciple-making mission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus says this, He says, Go to His disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Listen, when you read the Scriptures, when you read from Genesis all the way to the end, you need to read it through the lens of God's mission to rescue the world from sin. You need to read... The gospel through the lens of God's mission to rescue people from sin. I'm re- going through this Essential 100 Bible reading plan. And I just finished the, the book of, of Genesis and about Joseph. You know what Joseph says? about you know, maybe Some of you may know the story where his brothers sold him. Right? And he ends up in Egypt. You know what Joseph says? He says, God sent me here. God sent me here. He, he's the one who sent me. And then I'm, now I'm, I was reading Moses today. And Moses is going, God's sending me here. So it's all about mission. It's all about God's mission to rescue people from, from sin and Satan. And here Jesus is saying, as the Father has sent me, He's saying, church, we get to play. We get to have a part in that mission. That's awesome. That's incredible. And why should we care about mission? Because our God has a mission. Why else should we care about mission? Another reason is because our God is a missionary God. John chapter 20, back to the, the verse there, the statement of Jesus, Jesus. He says, as the Father has sent me... Has sent me, Jesus says. I'm the one the Father sent. Jesus here says that that He was the one sent by God the Father. He was the one who would be the Redeemer, the one who would rescue, provide rescue for us from sin and Satan. And so here, God's own Son is a missionary. John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says this For I have come down from heaven. That's His home. Jesus steps outside the door of his home and he comes into our our world. Why? To rescue us from sin and Satan and our brokenness. And he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent 
me as the Father has sent me. Listen, if you care about God, you will care about His mission. And if you want to truly live like Christ, then you will live like a missionary. Because Christ was. Let me say that again. If you truly care about God, you'll care about His mission. And if you truly want to live Christ, know Christ, live Christ, make Christ known, then you'll live your life like a missionary because Jesus was. Why else should we care about mission? I think Jesus continues to show us there. He says, as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. Not only does our God have a mission, not only is our God a missionary God, but He says that God's people are a missionary people. This resurrected, living, missionary Jesus now looks at His disciples. He comes down the bench and He says, you, 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 all of you, go. Just get in the game. You don't have to wait at the scores table. You don't have to wait for the clock to stop. Just go. Get, you're in the game. When I save you, when I rescue you from sin, you're a disciple and you're also a missionary. Jesus never separates the two. He never separates the two. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you also become a missionary for Christ. He doesn't separate discipleship and mission. They're linked together. That's what he's saying. As the Father has sent me, as the Father, so now I am sending you. He links the mission of his disciples with the mission he received from the Father. Listen, God's mission was to provide his Son as the Redeemer. Our mission is to announce that Jesus is that Redeemer. All right, let me say that God's mission was to provide His Son Jesus as the Redeemer. Our mission is to announce that Jesus is that Redeemer. Now let this sting a little bit. Who have you told within the past six months about Jesus? Have you told anyone that Jesus is the Redeemer? Anyone that doesn't know Jesus. Have you mentioned His name to anyone? Other than maybe our living communities or, or here with church. That's our mission. Our mission is to announce, be witnesses of Jesus. And, and, and Jesus here links his mission with the mission he's called us. Listen, Jesus did not save us to sit on the bench. He saved us to send us into the game. To, to send us into the game. Jesus' prayer in John 17. So many of us, because life gets so difficult and we, we just want to get out of here. But listen what Jesus has to say in his prayer to the Father. John 17, verse 15 and 18. He is talking to the Father and he says this. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And then a few verses later, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I am now sending you. Jesus' prayer is not that we would get out of here, but that we would stay and we would join him in the mission of announcing the gospel to the nations. That's his prayer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9-12, through 12, Peter says this to the church. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. And beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter's saying, listen, you are a missionary people. Live like it. Live like it. The reason why you're still here is because God has a purpose for your life and announcing the gospel to the nations. That's why you and I are still here. The only reason the church has a mission is because God has the mission. 
The only reason you and I are involved in it is because God in His grace has said, I want you to play. I want you to have a part in this. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you are sent. Therefore, you are a missionary. God has a mission. Our God is a missionary God. And Jesus says, even so I am sending you. Therefore, God's people are a missionary people. We are a missionary people because we have a missionary God. So how do we do this, church? How do we do this? What's this look like? This missionary thing. How do we go about doing all this stuff called living the sent life and and doing this? Well, you have in your seat a little packet there as it relates to our mission and vision as church. And for some of you, this will be familiar. For others of you, this will be absolutely new. You heard Joseph speak earlier about these things called house churches and living communities and all this stuff. And where does that come from? Why, Why are we so... Why is it so important to us as a church? And why is it so important for us that each person here be involved in some kind of community of discipleship? Where does that come from? You know, a lot of times people will say, well, this whole house church, living community, they'll ask me, where'd you come up with that? Well, where'd that come from? I said, honestly, you're not probably not going to like the answer, but it's straight from the Word. I just read Acts, I read the New Testament, and it's this, this is kind of what they did. And it seemed to work fairly well. Right? It seemed to work fairly well. And, and so we're going to give it a go and we're going to see what this looks like in our context. All right, so this is how we do it. So you see that, that, that top little circle, that diagram there? It might be difficult to see. There's larger um, pictures of that diagram in some of the other seats as well. But I want you to look at that first circle. And you see the name Jesus at the top, right? That's as the Father has sent me. The Father sends Jesus into our world. Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. He moves out into our world, makes disciples. That's the first to the right if you're going clockwise. He makes disciples. Those made disciples are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Then they move out and they make more disciples. That's what you read in the book of Acts. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus comes and now he commissions his disciples. These made disciples, they get empowered by the Holy Spirit and they then move out and make disciples. And then they start forming these church communities starts in Jerusalem, then it kind of is a catalyst from there. And that's when you read in the book of Acts where Paul was sent to places like Antioch and Colossae and Thessalonica and Berea and all these other things. And back in the first century, the church didn't have elaborate buildings, they, so they had to meet in homes. That's why to us the home is so important. And that's why most of our living communities meet in homes. And so they did this, this Jesus, he moved out, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he makes disciples, they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let me say this, we have the same exact stuff that Jesus and the first century church had in order to accomplish the mission. We have the Spirit of God, we have the power of the gospel, and we have the people of God. We have the exact same, exact same. So Jesus moves out, makes disciples, makes more disciples, and then they start forming these multiplying church communities. And we've seen that happen in our own journey. Five years ago, Mount Auburn had a living community. And then there was another living community that started meeting in Taylor Mill. From that living community, the Anderson living community came came out of. So we've seen this happen within our own five-year journey together. We've seen house churches plant new house churches. And then our Anderson living community just a couple weeks ago planted another one. And so we're seeing this happen in our journey. We're seeing this happen. And so this isn't anything new that we're doing. This is just something that we've seen the church do. And we do it 
a little bit differently in our context, but our mission is to make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, make Christ known through multiplying church communities locally, nationally, and globally. And so you see this how. So, so how do we do this? As Joseph said, we have two forms of Sunday gatherings. It's where you come together as a church and you, you're equipped in, in what you need to live this mission out as missionaries where God has you. And then we have the living communities, these house churches, and they have practices of discipleship, and you see them there. Where do those come? Sharing life, sharing. Is that some of you guys sat in a room and said, hey, what sounds good? No, this is what we see Jesus doing with his disciples. In Mark chapter 3, he says, listen, I've called you so that you might be with me, sharing life, and then be with me, and then I'm going to send you out, sending, to preach the gospel, sharing the word, and then they give, go on this mission together. So we see these practices of discipleship taking place. Our mission is God's mission. And it's not really our mission, it's His. He's just given us the privilege of jumping into it. And then you kind of see this thing called this pastor's pipeline. And I'll explain that in a moment. But if we're truly living Christ and making Christ known, if we're truly as made disciples, moving out, making new disciples, we will see new church communities multiplying all over the city, all over around the world. And we want to be a part of that. Because that means people's lives are being transformed by the gospel. And you can read in Titus chapter 1 where each living community, each house church had pastoral leadership. He says, go and I want to appoint pastors, elders, overseeing each one of these house churches. So that's why for us as a church, it's important for us that those who pastor and lead these communities have pastoral biblical qualifications. Because that's what they had in the first century. And it's important for us that we grasp this. And some things are taking place and coming down the road. In April, we're having our first what we're calling Pastor's Pipeline, where we're going to train people to lead and pastor new living communities here in greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky. And I believe God's going to raise up some of you because God's put a burden on your heart right where you live. So you know what? I want to lead this. I want to pastor. I want to reach people right where I live. And I believe God's sending me there. And if that's you, would you talk to us? Talk to your current living community pastor. We want to jump on, jump on that and we want to come around you and encourage you and help you as God leads you in that direction. Then I want to tell you about what God's doing in the country of Nepal. There's a young man who reached out to me three years ago. His name is Hansen. Had no clue who this dude was. None. Never heard of him in my life. He reaches out to me on Facebook several times like, is this some like stalker or whatever? What is going on? And he just keeps, hey, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. So I kind of follow up with him, and we start talking via Facebook. What he's doing, he's planting house churches in the country of Nepal. They have an orphanage there. He's working with a pastor, and they have about 10 kids, and they don't have any building or anything. My understanding is this pastor has these orphans living in his home, and they have no one to help them. And we're talking about bringing Hansen here in the summer to spend 10 days with us so that we can learn about their ministry, and we can talk about how we can come alongside him and what they're doing over there to help them accomplish the mission that God has called them to. And so this is an exciting year for us as we move forward as a church. So pray for us as we pray for you. But it doesn't just happen in Nepal. It happens right where you live. Right where you live. And so how do you know when you're living this sent life? How do you know? Well, let me give you some thoughts on this. You know you're starting to live like a missionary when... Your view of your world changes. When your view of your world changes. When you no longer see your job as a job. 
as a means to provide for your family. That's important. But you also see it through the lens of God's mission. And you say, God's placed me there because there are people there who need to see Christ in me. You know you're starting to live this missionary life, this sent life, when your view of your world changes, changes. When you see your neighbors, not just as neighbors, but as people who are broken, who need Christ. You see your marriage as an opportunity to display the gospel to those who are watching. You see these, these places of, as places of deployment, your neighborhood, your workspace. You see them as a mission field. And you become less about you and more about Jesus and his people. Just look at the first disciples. You also know you're starting to live like a missionary when your view of church changes. You realize that church is a people. It's not a building. It's not a service or a program. You realize that church, your living community, is not something you go to. But it's a people you live mission with. It's a people you serve Jesus with. You see, it's a being church and not just going to church. But let me say this caution. Do not use being the church as an excuse for not being with the church. Do not use being the church as an excuse for not being with the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that we're one body made up of many parts. And we're in this mission together. And for us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to, we need every part doing his or her job. And there are all kinds of ways, hosting a living community gathering, serving your living community, helping with the kids in the living community, or, or even here on our Sunday gatherings with the living kids, we still need some more volunteers or set up or whatever it might be, or just in your neighborhood or your community. But don't use being the church as an excuse for not being with the church. We all have that distant family. Maybe you don't have the distant family member, but some of us might have the distant family member that comes only for the meal, and then they jet afterward. They never stick around to help clean up the kitchen. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. All right? Come. Get your hands dirty. Don't just come for the meal. Stick around and let's serve. And let's see God use us in a powerful way. Because what I see throughout Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, I see living communities on the west side. We don't have any. I see living communities in the center part of the city. We don't have any there yet. I see living communities on the north side of Cincinnati. Nothing there yet. I see living communities. I'm already talking to pastors in Indiana who are hearing what's going on. They're like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. We're just praying and kind of doing what God's telling us to do. He's like, I want to learn. He just emailed me a couple days ago. So they're going to come into April and be part of this pastor's pipeline. God is using you, church. He's using you in a powerful way. And we get to be part of this mission that he's called us to. But how else do you know when you're starting to live like a missionary? Your conversations change. You start talking about people and, and their need for Christ and how you had opportunities to maybe show them Jesus or talk to them about Jesus. You start having conversations about who could we have over for dinner so that we can just love on them and be a friend to them. And, and, or maybe at work, man, who could I take out for lunch? And, or you come home from work and like, you know, I believe I had this great conversation with this person. I was able to talk to them about Christ or just be able to show them the love of Christ. Your conversations change. And then you also know you're starting to live the sent life when your prayers change. Your prayers take on more of a missional focus. Let me ask you a question. How often are you praying by name for people who need Jesus? How often? You know you're starting to live and think like a missionary when your prayers change. Just read the New Testament. Look at Paul's prayers. Colossians, he said, I pray that I would have every opportunity to make known the gospel of Christ. Pray that. Start praying that prayer. 
Your prayers change. You start praying for people by name who need Christ. You start asking God, like the early disciples in Acts chapter 4, for courage and boldness to make Christ known. And you know you're thinking and living like a missionary when your prayers have more of a focus on people who need Christ than rather than the stuff we need. You see, here's the thing. It's not a matter of if you've been called to be a missionary. You are one. You are one. Even so now, I am sending you. Listen, here's the cool part. None of us get left at the scores table. None of us. You get to play. You get to be in the game. You get to play. You get get to dribble the ball, and even you just stand there, you get to watch what God's doing in the game. It's amazing. So when it comes to being sent, to living this sent life, what's that look like for you? I'm going to ask the band to come. When it comes to being a missionary, when it comes to living that sent life, how are you doing, church? How are you? How are you doing personally? I was talking to somebody. I'm going to ask her to not today, but at some point I want her to share her story of how God's using um, this young woman in Hollywood to proclaim Christ. It's incredible in the film industry. And I'm hoping that maybe next Sunday she might share her story of how God is using her in that arena to live for Christ. It's amazing what God is doing through her. Incredible. So I'm hoping that she'll share next Sunday. What are your stories? How is God using you this morning? The challenge for this week and moving forward is to live like a missionary because we are. We are. We've been sent and it's exciting. It's incredibly invigorating. And God has a mission for us, church, for us specifically as living church, to proclaim the gospel as we multiply communities all throughout our city and around the world, proclaiming the gospel. Stand with me. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The call, listen, the call is to live sent because you have been. To live sent. We're going to sing a song in a moment. and we, I, I just want to encourage you. Maybe you want to come this morning with some chairs up front. Maybe you want to move to the back, wherever. And you just want to pray. Maybe you need to confess some sin this morning. Maybe you haven't really been looking at life through that lens of God's mission of proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth. Maybe there's people on your heart and mind, whether it be at work, in your family, in your neighborhood, that you just want to come and you just want to kneel and you just want to beg God to rescue them from sin. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you, you can't play in this game because you, you don't know Him personally. You've never surrendered your life to Him. Right now in this moment, just call out to Him to rescue you from your sin. And because He went to the cross in His resurrection... He says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So as we sing this song, I want to encourage you, church, to come, to pray, to kneel, to get with people, to pray, and ask God to move among us this year as we live. Can you just imagine what God could do with us? If every person in this room really intentionally lived this year like a missionary, just imagine. (laughs) Imagine what God would do. The people that would be rescued from the pit of hell. The people that would be rescued from sin. The people we could partner with across the globe for the gospel. Just imagine what he could do with us. And imagine what he could do with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As we sing, you come and pray. Father, you have called us to be a missionary people. We get to play, God. Thank you. Thank you. It's all because of your grace. 
And now may we together as a people, your people, live sent because you have sent us. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.